So so do we just do we just get started? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know what to do with my hands right now. Doesn't really matter, Ron. <laughs> just audio. <laughs> <laughs> How's my face look? <laughs> Normal. <laughs> Welcome to VCR, a vintage cinema rewind. We're bringing old movies to new viewers. I'm Blake. I'm Jason. And, and this week we got a great ass movie to discuss. <laughs> that was a good. That was a good one. I yeah, like that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. It's been a little while since yeah. we've recorded last. Yeah, a little vacation for the boys. Yep, yep. But uh, we came back with a a huge movie. This is our part two of our Michael Mann month? directorial deep dive. Yeah, month that's kind of been pushed into two months yeah, now. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, we're talking about the 1995 crime thriller Heat, and oh man, is this a movie? It's a phenomenal movie. Three hours, but you're on the edge of your seat the whole time. Yeah, this movie just moves at such a breakneck speed. Like, there's there's really never any slowdown in the plot, and the plot has so many different subplots and other narratives and characters, like that are all going about and doing different things that are all kind of eventually maybe connect to the plot at some yeah, point or yeah. another. It's, it's a really fascinating movie and how it, how it's written. Like, yeah, it, it was so well constructed. Yes. Michael exactly. Mann. And like, that's what you can expect from a Michael Mann movie. Exactly. And having very deep, rich characters that don't ever feel one dimensional. Like you learn about their motivations so much throughout the progress of the film so i'll go into the little uh plot description yeah sounds good heat it's a film about a highly professional robbery crew taking on some huge scores while being chased by an intensely driven detective who is constantly putting on the heat uh, <laughs> both the detective al pacino and the crew leader de niro respect each other's smarts and tenacity and Especially that they'll both go to any length to do their jobs perfectly. Yeah, and that's a pretty good summary. The film starts out with a really crazy heist of a armored truck, the ones that carried the money between banks, yeah. which was just wild, like using yeah. the transport like that. And from there, we see this is kind of where those those plots, those subplots start veering off and we have characters that it, it has this very cause and effect relationship yeah, yeah. throughout the film, which is really fascinating to watch. And as, as somebody who really appreciates film in the way you and I do, I'm fully invested immediately yeah, into this yeah. movie and all of the things going on. Like if you boil it all down, it's cat and mouse type game that they're playing. But then there's other cats and other mice, yeah. kind of, and like <laughs> it, it gets a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, it does. And even like there are some characters that you don't even know necessarily why they're in the film until they suddenly are just like shoved right yeah. into what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> which is really cool. It's a it's a really yeah. great and, structure. And all of the heists are so well thought out just like thief um like michael mann really thought everything through with these heists yeah absolutely oh i'm really excited to get into some of the effects and filming later mm, because yeah. especially with the second heist there's some really cool stuff to dive into yeah, there yeah. and this is one of the like this is a huge moment for film in like that decade because 
there hadn't really been a big like meeting of these two huge actors like yeah, face Al Pacino to face and on De Niro. screen yeah yeah it's really cool and that's honestly that's a big reason why the film was successful at first yeah. is because it was marketed as the first film where Al Pacino and Robert De Niro are on screen together and which, facing off yeah yeah, yeah. and they don't even get to be on screen together until closer to the end of the movie, but it's that buildup of yeah. when they're on screen together. Yeah. And that scene, when they do appear on screen together, is probably the best of the movie, despite like not being as bombastic as some of the other scenes or as crazy as yeah. some of the other scenes. Yeah. It's still, there's something really special about those two meeting at that yeah. point in time. And like going into this, not knowing anything about Heat, uh, was awesome because you're seeing Pacino as a cop and you're like, wait, is he like a dirty cop? Is, like, cause he's so badass, You right. don't know which way it's going to go. And then you see uh, De Niro and he's just like cold and complicated or uh, complicated, not complicated. <laughs> uh, cold. And what's the word? Calculated. calculated. Thank you. Yeah. He's, he's cold, cold and calculated. And <laughs> the ladies love him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very calculated and you don't know like if he's gonna like blow up and like do some crazy stuff or if he's just gonna stay that way like it was just really cool well and he's similar and and this is again we're gonna probably discuss connections to thief uh, often but he lives by a set of codes yeah and that's what's kept him so successful and kept him out of jail since his first time in jail his his character is there's a purpose behind everything that he does and all of his actions and reactions to everything. We're already talking about characters of people you may know. So let's just dive headfirst into that. So I'm going to start with Lieutenant Vincent Hanna, the loose cop on the edge. He's just known for outbursts. He's so well respected by everyone. Like he's, yeah. he's almost feared a little bit, but like always respected because he's so good. And this is Al Pacino. Yeah, and even like in that opening, the opening first act of the movie where he's dissecting that first heist, mm-hmm. he he's pretty bang on with what happened. Yeah. Like it's like he was there almost. And I can picture a detective being able to do that and being like really close on what he was thinking. Like obviously he didn't get the fact that Wayne Grow kind of pulled out from the rest of yeah. the crew. And, and that he wasn't like a regular member of the crew. And yeah. Yeah. Like he like there's obvious things that he like couldn't have got, but like he was so close. Yeah. Like he just knows his shit. Yeah, exactly. On the flip side, I think it's also important to talk about his family life. He's two divorces deep now, and he's on his third marriage, which right off the bat we see is maybe a little bit rocky. Yeah, like there was an intense love scene like right away. That was our introduction to him. Yeah. And then he's just cold after that. Yeah. Towards her. Or distant is probably the better word. Yeah. And we get some really great quotes that we'll talk about a little bit later in the spoilers full section yeah if, if you want to see al pacino at like his like height of like big quotes this might be it like if you watch al pacino's career he keeps getting like a little crazier and a little crazier and like louder in his roles sometimes and this is like at like a perfect like peak level yeah this like, is this is a likable al pacino like yeah. if you contrast this with scarface this mm. is like a, a brash loud likable 
version of and he's understandable in yes, this one <laughs> very understandable <laughs> unlike scarface <laughs> yeah so he's played by al pacino so we've talked about his connection to scarface obviously the godfather yeah. series he was in the irishman recently i believe yeah he here's is. he's jimmy hoffa yeah yeah um, so here's the thing that I think is probably necessary when you're talking about Al Pacino and Robert De Niro in this type of movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get them confused. Really? Yeah. Like, I didn't know that. Annabelle was having trouble like remembering, like, okay, is it um, Al Pacino who's the bad guy or is he the good guy? And then, like, like they're just so... They've both done so many movies that are similar. Yes. That, like, if you're trying to remember, like, one like crime movie you're like was it al pacino or robert de niro who is the guy in that yeah i i guess maybe that's speaks a little bit more to how much crime movies i've watched and how much of robert de niro specifically of his filmography i've watched because robert de niro is probably one of my favorite actors it'd be hard to say that he's not (laughs) yeah i mean yeah but like specifically like i really like robert Mm. de niro portrayals so for me like that's kind of distinct and clear but i can understand where you might get a little confused between the two just based off like characters that they've played before it it just always seems like al pacino should be the bad guy (laughs) so that's what i think confused annabelle (laughs) oh yeah true but but i think it's a really great portrayal seeing him as he's not quite a crooked cop yeah but he doesn't play by the rules yeah I actually had to look this up to see who was the bigger actor at the time. I think it was slight edge to Robert De Niro here on hmm. who's bigger. Like The Godfather is one of the greatest film series of all time, yeah. but Robert De Niro's career is coming off of like Goodfellas and Casino and and some other really great yeah. films. And looking at his net worth, like it's like ten times what Al Pacino's yeah, is, which is yeah. wild. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so Robert De Niro is playing the character Neil McCauley. Um, He's a career thief. He's spent some time in Alcatraz, I believe. He's always considered himself like a a lone wolf. He doesn't attach himself. The code that he follows that he was taught in the streets, I believe, or in jail, I'm not sure. But yeah, Neil McCauley lives by this quote. Allow nothing to be in your life that you cannot walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you spot the heat around the corner. Yeah, which is such a great line, yeah, like such yeah. a great quote. I think they've been doing this for a few years at this point. Like he's yeah. got a pretty established crew and he's become pretty close with the rest of his crew. Like they go out for dinners together and the rest of his crew has maybe veered off of the code a little bit. Like a lot of them yeah. have families, have children, stuff like that. And he's starting to feel that loneliness creep in. Um, he said he's alone, but he's not lonely to the love interest that he has. Yes, Edie. But he might say that, but it becomes very apparent, and that's one of the important themes of the film is loneliness. And so he kind of starts losing himself in in these what-ifs and and what maybe his life might look like outside of crime after one last job. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we have have a few, um, like, tropes that are there, of course, but uh, they're not over. They're not ham-fisted. No, they're there, and but they're done respectfully. I think, like how him and Pacino, like they, they're two heads of the same coin. Yeah, exactly. Like they could have been brothers in another life. It's almost like um, 
Oh, no, now I can't remember the movie I'm thinking of. The Departed. Yes, yes. So it, it's almost like in The Departed where you have uh, Matt Damon and Leonardo DiCaprio each playing each other's, like, the opposite. So each are trying to infiltrate the police and yeah. the the mob. And in another life, they probably could have been very close with yeah. each other and yeah. drawn some very similar life experiences. But they're opposite each other like that yeah there's they're perfect equals yes on opposite sides yeah exactly yeah another great movie another great crime film yeah i don't have too many other characters that i want to dive into so this cast you could almost say is an ensemble cast because i'm gonna just list out some of the other appearances Mm. that happened in the film but another important character is chris played by val kilmer so one of neil's closest friends he has recently started a family, but he's also a degenerate gambler. And so a lot of the money that they make on these heists is just gone. Uh, yeah, so like- that's probably that. Well, that is his primary reason for being a part of the crew and being on these heists together is because his lifestyle, he needs that money to feed his habits, basically. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Robert De Niro is more similar to what we see in Thief. Um with um frank frank yeah where he's trying to get ahead he's trying to help his own life and make up for all of his lost time in prison mm. so that it's a little bit of a contrast there. like each character has their own uh reason for being in it uh, another quote that we'll say a little bit later because the just the moment one of the characters reasonings for being a part of the crew is is really great too oh yeah yeah it's maybe one of the best quotes <laughs> in the movie but anyway, other appearances, we see John Vaught, Angel, Angelina Jolie's dad, is the primary fence and also the connections for all of the crimes. Like, he's the guy who connects criminals with people who have knowledge about how to infiltrate certain yeah. places that have money or, or whatever. Danny Trejo makes an appearance. This yeah. is one of his first movies. And his character is Trejo. Yeah, his character is yeah. just Trejo. Yeah. He, so, he, he was brought on originally just to do consulting because he actually like comes from a, a criminal background. Yeah. And he ended up just being so likable that they added to him into the crew. Yeah, I think he was actually in jail with the guy that Thief was based on. Yeah, I'll, you might I'll be have right. To it would have been around that, about... But, uh, so, so him and another criminal were in jail together and as soon as they got out Mm -hmm. him and danny trejo just started trying to get into movies cool and this is one of the ones that uh like he got into yeah natalie portman in her second film appearance yeah i i meant to look that up how many films in between uh leon the professional and this yeah, this is her second movie. So Leon was probably her first. Yeah. I think that came out before. Yeah. Ashley Judd, uh, Henry, Henry Rollins is in this, and then Jeremy Pivens near the end, which he's like reversed age because he went from balding to suddenly having hair again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's, uh, so this guy was in the bank scene in Dark Knight. He was the banker with the shotgun. Um, oh, yeah. He's in so many movies, and like yes. he's so... Like recognizable. William Fitchner. Yeah, William yeah, he's, Fitchner. He's yeah. like very much like a guy that you're like, yeah, it's yeah, that guy. It's that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's in a lot of stuff, but not. He's never like a head guy, like a leading Yeah, I think guy. he was big in the uh, Prison Break show as well. I think he was an important yeah, character he was in, in that too. Yeah, he was in quite a few. Like he, he's so recognizable. So recognizable. Absolutely. He's got a he's got a face on him. But the I guess the other 
thing maybe I should say is the main crew of Neil McCauley would be Neil, Chris, Michael, who's the other character that we didn't say specifically, and then Treo, played by Jenny Treo. Danny, not Jenny. Did I say Jenny? <laughs> I don't know. You kind of slurred I, I was like yawning there a little <laughs> yeah. bit. There's also the the guy who goes off on his own in that first banks or in that first heist scene. Wayne Grow? Wayne Grow. Yeah. So he actually went to jail like and when he was in jail, he was known as Wayne Grow. Yeah, I looked that up actually. He went to jail for growing weed back in, it was like oh, 2003 in California. He got yeah. in trouble for it. Went to jail for three years for that. Can you imagine that now? Like the yeah. time we live in? That's like, insane. Yeah. yeah. It's wild. Absolutely wild. Anyway, so Michael Mann is our director here. This is, without a doubt, this is his best film. It's personal, I guess, which is best film is. There's a lot, like Collateral, that's always touted as one of his best. Um, Public Enemies, The Insider, The Last of the Mohicans. Mohicans. No, he's got a lot of great films and like the- But this is a huge one. Oh my God, this movie is so good. In my personal opinion, this is bar none his best film. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's it's hard to say. This is this is definitely a top 20 movie for me. They're like, this yeah. might, this probably edges out most of the other crime films other than Goodfellas on mm. my list. Like, Goodfellas is probably like in my top five. I don't know if this breaks top 10, but it might be like early twe- tweens. Yeah. Teens, tweens, sure, tweens. yeah, yeah. Uh, Honestly, like, like yeah. Twelve. I, I think I'm it, gonna slaughter number twelve. All right. <laughs> but anyway, who is this movie for? Obviously, we've talked about the star-studded cast. So if you're a fan of any of those, like these are big career highs for a lot of yeah. that cast. Yeah. If you're a fan of thrillers, crime, like fast-paced heist movies, this is one of those. If you like things that are almost an epic. Yes. Like a, an, it's it's close to like epic proportions. The scale. Of. Yeah, the scale is yeah, yeah. almost there. And I think what it the reason the why we can justify that is because of all the intertwining stories and all the cause and effect relationships and how like the plot just really branches out. Like it's not an epic in the sense of like a Lawrence of Arabia or Spartacus where yeah. we're centralized around one character and it's about the feats of one character. Yeah. It's more just like the impact of everyone who ever has screen time in this film and how it impacts their lives and like yeah. branches out. Yeah. Which is really big cool. movie. And it's a long movie. So that, that w- might be where it might not be for you. Um, but like, it never feels it like that. Yeah. It shouldn't be. Don't be too scared of the three hour runtime. Yeah. Cause it moves at such yeah. a pace. Yeah. Like and the only thing that you need to think about with this three hour runtime is where do I have three hours to watch this? Yeah. Not like, yeah. am I going to get bored partway through? Because you're not. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> Annabelle loved this movie. Like she, well, I, I might be overstating that. She always gets mad when I say she loved it. But, <laughs> but like she was interested the whole time. And that's rare. Yeah. For, for such a long movie, that's rare. Yeah. And and this is kind of diving into our when to watch a little bit yeah. as well. Like we're kind of connecting the two. I think this is a pretty good event movie to watch. Like watch it with a group because- yeah. I, I, Jess and I watched this and then, uh, my buddy Mike and his roommate were watching it at their place as mm, well. Nice. And so we, we clicked start at the same time and we talked for like half hour, 45 minutes after we finished mm. the movie about how great it was, like all of our favorite scenes yeah. and like 
doing research while we're like sitting there talking because it's it's such it's a fascinating the, yeah, movie. Yeah, it's so fun doing that research after, especially when you have like people to talk to about it. Yeah, like if you had like a little like film club, this would be perfect. Mm, absolutely agree. Yeah, like this is this is a great group watch. Yeah. That's a first for us, I think, at least that we've thought of it. Yeah, I think watch. so too. Yeah. I would recommend it like that. Like I could see I could see us convincing Kelvin to watch this like as yeah. a group and him like being like, Whoa, that was yeah. a good movie kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And so I think being a group film, it slots into like a Saturday night kind of thing. Like yeah. everybody wants to stay in and just chill, have like, you know, make a bunch of popcorn kind of thing and, mm. and get ready for a ride. Yeah. Or just like a Friday night where you're not that tired from the week maybe it's like a yeah. four-day work week and Ooh. you're like oh i'm not that tired and it's friday night you're not gonna go out but you you want to like watch a really good movie yeah that's a good time for this yeah having a good sound system on this as well yeah. is is pretty key like i had the movie jacked up pretty high and when we get to the second heist movie oh <laughs> it, it gets pretty wild yeah yeah they killed it with the all of the sound effects yeah and everything everything was just so well done yes this is a master class in how to make a great movie Mm. and also a master class in how to be a good criminal but we'll get into that later yeah yeah (laughs) where to watch right now it's streaming on prime and netflix so you've got your pick of the two yeah Um, at least in canada yeah, at least in Canada. <laughs> just just watch is always our go-to to figure out yeah. where it's streaming in your area. I think I watched it the first time on Netflix and the second time on Prime. There's not really much difference. I just prefer viewing on Prime, even though their interface is worse. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, I found the audio is better on Prime for some reason. Hmm. Maybe okay. we just pay that's for fair. worse Netflix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's your two main go-tos, and those are the two main go-tos, I would say. We're already here. We're already ready to probably cut her off and talk uh, spoilers and get into the the themes and all of the stuff going the on in this juicy gritty. movie. Yeah. The movie is the juice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good use of the quote there. <laughs> <laughs> Movies are the juice for us. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the research is the juice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the conversation. <laughs> and the discussion afterwards. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 All right. So. Honestly, this movie is so good that it needs to be watched. If you've never seen it, I can't recommend it enough. Like, if you haven't seen this, please go watch it and then maybe join us afterwards. You can stick around here, but you're going to lose some things uh, maybe getting spoiled by us just yeah, now. So, yeah, so, yeah. Let's, let's dive into it. Themes. The, the biggest theme, really, that I wanted to talk about was the theme of loneliness and that's really portrayed between again the main characters vince and neil like neil's his whole mantra 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 his whole mantra mantra, (laughs) uh michael mantra his (laughs) his whole mantra mantra damn it (laughs) god damn it fucking get it together blake Oh man. Do we uh, need to take a break? <laughs> yeah. His whole mantra is basically like being able to just walk out of your entire life. So you can't have attachments yeah, in like, that living that sort of lifestyle. The, the only way that he sees it's possible to be as high level as he needs to be to complete his like to get those scores at that level, mm-hmm. you have to be able to drop everything. Yeah, and 
and he wants to be the best for himself. Like he's not he's not doing this for glory or fame or anything. Yeah. He's doing this. He's the Warren Buffett of criminals. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's <laughs> super high level and he's like you have to be able to walk away within 30 seconds if you see the heat coming around the corner. Yeah. Oh. Such a great quote. Yeah. But the thing is that the rest of his crew isn't following that anymore, that code anymore. So he's starting to see what life after being a criminal could look like. And and even at this point, like he's not necessarily breaking his code to start a relationship with Edie because he sees how he can get out yeah. and and go and live a life with her. But there's always that one last job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he has he's so meticulous. Yeah. Everything has to be right and everything oh, has yeah. to be finished. What like that one scene where they're at the the uh robbery of like that metal works place yeah, yeah, yeah. and he hears the police officer make noise in the oh, truck yeah. and he calls it all off. Yeah. Wild. Like, we have to walk. Yeah. And like they don't bring their tools with them because no. that would make it look like they were um maybe stealing stuff out of that and then they could get snatched. But like yeah. the yeah, the uh and that cost him money too because yeah. he had to pay for the information to yeah. get into that. Yeah. But it was absolutely genius just, because yeah, he's just so good. He yeah. knows Ugh. when to drop everything and go when you the heat. Yeah. And what a scene that yeah. is too. Like when yeah. when him when he hears it and we get the close up of him and then we get the close up of Vince yeah. uh and they're kind of like staring each yeah. other down like what's like, going to happen? Yeah. So um, Al Pacino's using like cameras and uh, they even have like a thermal camera. Yeah. And then he's just watching from the shadows, uh, De Niro. And he's like, and they're both having the same thing yeah. going through their head right now. Like, yeah. and like, am I caught? Is there somebody yeah. there kind of thing? Yeah. And then he just calls it all off. And they're like, and, and then the other police officers are like, well, are we going to like pick them up for something? And Vince is like, what no. are you going to pick them yeah. up for? Like yeah. breaking and entering. Yeah. They're going to be out in like a week. Like, yeah. Yeah. like there's no point. Like we got to get them for something good if we're going to get them. Yeah. Um, and then right after that, they case them. They yes. Like, yes. <laughs> How awesome is that? Yeah. So, yeah, like uh, uh, the crew know that they're um, being followed and being listened to. And so they meet up in a shipyard and have this whole fake casing out the joint yeah. situation. But the cops they're like they're like where are they gonna break into yeah like they they so that they they go and they meet there and it looks like they're like they're pointing at stuff um and they're probably pointing at vantage spots and stuff like that well yeah and but they knew that they could be yes. heard yes. so they were like that's one of our escape routes uh that's our second escape route yeah they just plan this whole thing yeah to at just to fake out the cops and and so vince was more angry about the first like when neil pulls the crew out he's more angry about that but when they get cased there yeah he becomes like he starts Impressed. to respect him yeah like high level respect he's like they like they he, got us yeah they got us and he's laughing and like yeah yeah, yeah. we're way off topic now yeah, already yeah. It, but it's just too good yeah <laughs> we're probably gonna do that six more times because there's so yeah. many good scenes so we're, to we're trying to talk about themes right yeah yeah <laughs> so loneliness we have a really great conversation with neil and Edie about loneliness like that's it's a pretty like, clear. Yeah, pretty yeah. clear like indication of of one of the important themes there. And on the flip side, like Vince, his entire life is being a good detective. Yeah. Like he's been through two divorces already and as we see, we're going to get through our third by yeah. the end of this movie. Yeah. And one of 
like one of my favorite lines in the movie when the crew is talking about this detective and him being on our case and whether or not he's gonna ever like back off of them oh it's uh john voigt's quote uh i think the so fence guy yeah where he's like the guys had been through two divorces already do you think he wants to spend time at home <laughs> yeah 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 like no he's like no he's out here watching <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So yeah, like like he's obviously he's he's lo- like he's lonely and in that like there's only him. Like he's at the top of his game. He can't connect at home because he's always thinking about what's going on at work. He's dealt with like some crazy shit. Yeah, like, like the things that he's the seen. worst of the worst of humankind is what he deals with. He locks people up that did the worst of the worst. Well, and that's what he says to to his wife at one point is like I try to keep that stuff from you because mm-hmm. of how horribly awful yeah. I see the world as. Yeah. But like, it's kind of made him into like a shell of a person when he's at home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he's never Hollowed he's never out. really there because all of this stuff that he's keeping to himself, like he can't talk about it at yeah. all. Yeah. And yeah, like so he's lonely too. Yeah. Or alone at least in his like at his high level he's alone. Yeah, exactly. And you can tell that even at work, like there's no one on his level at work. There's no one on his, like on a level that he can connect to at home. Yeah. And that's why I think he connects so well with Neil. Yeah. That, and that's a, yeah, that's something that we will get into later is the connection between the two of them is really important for the film, for probably movie history. Mm. Um, but I want to actually bring up the scene where, the criminal crew goes out for dinner together and we see like how out of place Neil is with the rest of the crew in like a in a with the rest of the crew in like a social setting mm-hmm. while all the police officers and Vince are actually watching them from above yeah, yeah. they leave the the police officers have their whole family show up and even in that setting like Vince we see the the comparison there of yeah. him kind of being out of place in that setting as yeah, well yeah with the rest of them that's that's the biggest theme for the movie is loneliness like there's living to a code like both neil and vince live to codes that aren't necessarily too different from one another either like the gone in 30 seconds thought like 60 seconds 30 seconds oh 30 yeah yeah yeah, i thought you were referencing the movie okay never mind the gone in 30 seconds quote it's really interesting to see later in the movie when vince walks out on his family Mm. all he has really in that house that's his is the tv yeah like he has a suitcase and a tv yeah yeah like he's basically living the same lifestyle that neil is to a degree yeah yeah there's definitely a lot of aspects about police officers and criminals really just the only difference is which side of the law they're yeah, on yeah um and that and that comparison and contrasting throughout the movie another theme is just like dedication and like to be the best you have to sacrifice to yes. be the, to be the best at whatever you do there's consequences i guess like yeah you, you have to you're separate and that goes into the loneliness aspect but yep. it's like the dedication aspect it's like genius and dedication and like something within that realm where it just sets you apart 
Well, and veering off from that thought too, like the cause and effect, the the effects and the consequences of this film, like we, we see that throughout the film, like Wayne Grow does something stupid during the heist. They try to off Wayne Grow. Wayne Grow gets away. That mm. causes other issues further along the movie. Like mm. Wayne Grow's got a vendetta against them. That first heist, they steal the bonds from the businessmen and they try to sell back to them so now he the businessman has their contact information he's also a dirty businessman as well yeah and he's like if they can steal from me and try to sell it back that means other people are also gonna think that my money is easy to get yeah exactly so there's the the effect of stealing from him and how that reverberates throughout the movie and how that causes issues uh then you you also have the you have the same thing on a smaller scale with the the cook that just yes the, line the linesman man, yeah. yeah that just got out of jail and he has to work at a shitty restaurant and and, and his boss is, is like stealing co- from him yeah completely manipulating the system yeah he's taking twenty five percent of his take home money which is already low and he has to like this guy's a good cook at least to a certain degree yeah. and but he's making him mop up and take out the garbage all this other stuff. no breaks like at all yeah he has to cover for other people like anyways it's a small scene but he suffers consequences instantly as soon as he steps out of line yeah like he as soon as he goes back to the life that he was like in jail for and that, like, that's the scene that I most talked about, like, earlier, where you don't necessarily understand what the connection is, because yeah. it's kind of its own subplot going on. Yeah. Um, but I think the main purpose to that is to just build up the understanding of why somebody would leave, like, uh, like not necessarily a good situation, but a situation that's going to maybe adv- get them out of being a criminal yeah. um, over the long term because he's just pushed and pushed and pushed and everybody's abusing the system all along. Like, it's also a good... Like, it's probably something that somebody has experienced and probably was something that uh, was brought to Michael Mann's attention is yeah. like, this is what the system does to people who are leaving and trying to be better. It's just not good for they're anyone. They're set up kind of for failure. Yeah, yeah, they're set up for failure, exactly. Yeah, And so... You understand, like, when he takes the job on, you understand why. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Michael Mann just does, like, he knows this criminal area so well yeah. without being one himself because he's he's talking, like, he's he's reaching out to people who know and he's, like, empathetic enough to really understand and it comes across so well in the movies. Yeah, uh, like that's the depth of character that we talk about often is like he gets into the minds of these people, these Mm ex-cons and even the police on the other side of things like he he spent a lot of time um, and this movie in particular is based on one of his detective friends as Al Pacino's character and Neil McCauley was actually a real criminal. Yeah, just another tiny little subplot of loneliness yeah is uh his stepdaughter or the like yes. his, his wife's do- yes natalie yeah. portman's character yeah. yeah it's just so small but it builds so much it means a lot yeah because she is she's obviously gone through divorce with her original parents yeah. um and her dad 
is completely out of the picture. I thought my first watch, I thought Neil was going to be the father. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> like, it, she just it kept going like, on and on yeah. about the dad. So I was like, and is there going to be a connection yeah, here? And but that would have been too cheesy. Yeah, and, like, it would have been too much. And yeah. the dad wouldn't, he didn't show up to visit, like, yeah. his daughter when she was so excited. Like, she had to have the right barrettes in her hair. Yeah, she was stressed out about it. Like, yeah. She and, was lonely. Yeah, and, and she's going through some things, like, as a teenager. And, that, yeah, so, like, her her suicide scene, like, she acted the oh, shit out of that. Like, yeah. she was dead. Like, yeah. her, her body was limp. Like, perfect. Like, it wasn't... That's where, like, you know uh, Natalie Portman is so good from such a young age she was such a good actress there yeah she's a great actress like i i love a lot of her uh work but all right let's dive into effects and filming so like we kind of said before the film is really deeply rooted in real life police and criminals and many of the characters within this film are directly inspired by the people that were on set or the people that Michael Mann had on previous films or and on previous sets. So Neil McCauley was himself a real-life criminal that spent time in Alcatraz and was a big criminal in L.A. I think it was in maybe the 60s or 70s. Yeah, 62, he was released from Alcatraz and he started putting together a crew and planning a new series of heists and then a detective Chuck Adamson started tracking him. Yes. And so Vince is, I think more, a little bit more loosely based on Adamson. Yeah. <laughs> Al Pacino brings some pizzazz to the character. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But the diner scene, the most impactful scene, my favorite scene of the whole movie is based on the real life interaction between Neil McCauley and Adamson. I think Adamson was out doing laundry and he saw Neil and the two decided to go for coffee and they had that real life back and forth of like being vulnerable and talking about their lives yeah. and and talking about, you know, like when when I'm out doing my business, like when I'm out on these heists and when you're out as a police officer, I'm not going to hesitate to shoot basically yeah. like yeah. like I re- I can respect what you're doing as your is your job, but like, I'm not going to hesitate when the moment comes. Yeah, yeah. They actually said that to each other. Yeah. Yeah, um, so crazy. Neil also did leave a job once because he heard police officer's footsteps. That's actually based on real, something that happened yeah? in real life as oh, well, which man. is absolutely wild. And and that's something that, like, I don't think you could think of yourself. Like, I think that's something that has to happen in real life to even, like, you know, like, it's such a, it's such a wild idea that it, mm. like... It's of those like real life situations yeah. where these cool original ideas come from, right? Yeah, like real life is crazier than what you can make up kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Wayne Grow, as well, is also based on a real life Chicago criminal. He ratted on some very prominent criminals at the time and then disappeared for a time and hmm. eventually was found in Mexico, nailed to the wall of a shed. His body. Oh, shit. Yeah. So that's insane. <laughs> wild. Yeah. It was like in the movie, he was uh, like, he had Nazi tattoos and um, that whole scene with the, uh, the black stripper or sorry, hooker yeah. that he was with. Yeah. Like that was a good scene. 
Oh man, now, like my buddy he was Mike so said, evil looking in that. Yeah, like, like my buddy Mike said, if you weren't sure that he was evil, they put a real big yeah, swastika yeah. on his gut to like make sure you understand at yeah. that point in time. Yeah, and that like the hooker that was like saying like you're a hot dog, like that was a yeah. little bit funny. It's so, like throughout the movie there is little bits of like really funny stuff. But the way she was, like, really playing it up was kind of funny. And then he just turned. Yeah. And, like, like the way he leaned oh, forward. So was, gross. Yeah. Like, his hair, like, his long hair and a little bit of balding, like, yeah. his menacing uh, face. Like, that was, a, like, that was well done by everyone. Himself. Yeah. I think he could play, like, the devil in something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he just has that, that thing about him. Yeah. Other interesting notes. Uh, so in the original script, Vince had a cocaine habit. Oh. So that's why Al Pacino played the character like so bombastic yeah, with yeah. the large outbursts and stuff because he was playing it with the idea of like, this guy is on cocaine to keep himself running in yeah. these like, moments. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Like when he was uh, going to see the rat in the like junkyard area. Yes. And like the rat... It was like he was like obviously like somewhat of a high level gangster, because mm-hmm. uh, he was just like having like a nice dinner in the scrapyard, and there was all the gang members. They all left. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like the way he like slaps the table, like Al Pacino slaps the table. You, it, that's like coke energy. <laughs> yeah, I I love how like the the whole slick thing comes about when he yeah. has that later meeting with uh, that guy and his cousin, mm. um, where he's trying to get like some more information out of them. And it's just that little thing that's that little slip up of using like a name over and over yeah, again, like yeah, a nickname that, yeah. that gets them caught, caught. Basically, yeah, that's that's the only thing basically. Yeah, yeah. The final scenes with the L.A. airport and him trying to leave, they actually almost weren't able to film that at the L.A. airport because hmm. there was a threat by the Unabomber at that time. Oh shit! Yeah. So kind of wild, like thinking that this movie and the Unabomber kind of coincided. Yeah. yeah but wow. Huh. Yeah, and very interesting. Yeah. The bank heist, mm-hmm. the shooting. That whole heist that my... that actually like happened in real life, but yeah, the way they filmed that using actual blanks. They didn't go like the regular movie route and have it all be like added Dubbed in. Over, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can tell it's real. Like, it feels real. Yeah, so that's what I was talking about earlier when I said I had the volume jacked way up. Yeah. And when that scene happens, like, the bullets, it sounds like you're there. Yeah. Like, it's it's so realistic. And, like, just the way that it echoes off of the buildings yeah. as well, it, it really puts you in that spot, in that moment in time. It, like, it just adds something. It makes the scene more alive. Yeah, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time because, like, they're so close to being just destroyed every minute like yeah like they're fighting a hundred cops basically yeah. versus them and not everybody makes it out either so yeah yeah slick and, gets shot yeah Mike, while holding Michael. that kid yeah. yeah so that's wild because so you this is i was actually going to bring this up earlier is that in the original heist wayne grow is the one who instigates and shoots one of the yeah, guards yeah um and the rest of the crew weren't going to shoot him at that point but in that moment at that point it's a like there's no loss to them killing the rest of them because they've already killed one guard yeah so it shows that while wayne grow is evil the rest of the crew will do what's necessary to yeah. basically yeah 
keep themselves out safe. Of jail. And yeah, yeah, safe. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because as soon as uh, Wayne Grove killed the guy, mm-hmm. it elevated the crime to another level. Yeah, and at that point, killing three more doesn't matter, and it gets rid of potential witnesses. Exactly. So. Yeah, they did what they had to do in a split second decision. Yeah. Like they, they No hesitation. Yeah. yeah. Point um, blank, two shots to the sternum, one to the head. Yeah. That's uh execution style. Yeah, yeah. And like that's exactly what De Niro does to Wayne Grow later. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that scene with Michael where he picks up the kid and is using it like as a human shield, like like that's a pretty dark moment. But on the flip side, Vince takes the shot where while he's got the kid. And like I don't think most yeah. police officers would take that shot. No. Um no. and it shows like Vince is on the same level as these yeah. guys are. Yeah. Where he he doesn't like like obviously he's trying not to hit the kid, but yeah. like it would have been a casualty that I think he would have accepted in that moment potentially. I think he just knows he's so good. Like he just knows he has it. And like the way he so everybody in this movie was trained by British ex uh, forces, mm-hmm. like all of their gun handling and like rifle handling, all of that was. Yeah, I heard like, that the U.S. military real. show some of the scenes is like, here's how you load a gun quickly. Like in the shootout scene, I believe it's Val Kilmer's character reloads yes, the gun really quick, yes. and they they actually use that as like, this is how you're actually supposed to load a gun in in a situation huh. like this. Yeah, that's unreal, because Val Kilmer in that. That he he dominated, I think, the shooting scenes. Yeah. Like when he was like going back and forth, mm-hmm. um, like forward and back. I was just so in that moment. Yeah, the combat tactics that they use during that are really fascinating to watch mm-hmm. and and really add to the scene as well. Yeah, and so yeah, going back to the effects part, they were using real guns with blanks mm-hmm. and they set up sound picker uppers what are those mics Mics, thank you (laughs) the thing i'm talking into right now yeah they set those up in the street and yeah it's just so like you you you're transported directly right beside them absolutely and and they they went out of their way to come up with how they were going to realistically show how the damage um from all of this shooting was is was going to be caused. So a lot of the cars that they used in the scene, they took to a firing range first and shot up. Hmm. And then after that, they put uh Bondo inside of it. They mm. painted it over to like, oh, mask yeah. it, and then they uh, used like the squibs or whatever to like blow it up. Okay. You couldn't get more real than that. Really, no. Yeah. Film. Yeah. Even in the first heist of the truck, like all of that, when, when they blew up the, yes, back, door the back door and, yeah, they used um I didn't look this up, but it looks so real the way it blew out all the other cars yeah. uh windows. Yeah. I'm sure I didn't read anything about that scene either, but you know what I was just thinking? I I was just thinking that uh it would be really cool to revisit one of the movies like in the future that we've done after watching like with the commentary on because I've never watched actually watched a movie with commentary on it'd be really interesting yeah. to hear in the moment like some of the actors and director and, and everybody else involved like discuss the movie yeah. in real time that would be pretty cool yeah so just a, maybe a thought for future maybe something we'll do mm-hmm. just like another small detail was when Natalie Portman uh, cut herself mm-hmm. like just the level of reality they put into that was like she cut her oh my god it was hard to watch her artery in her leg and one in her arm yeah and like they just discussed that in a real way and then 
that was a really cool scene when he brings her into the hospital and her mom shows up mm-hmm. and he just takes over. He's like, you're going to need a person who does surgery on arteries and a person who does breathing or whatever. Yeah. A respiratory person. Like he, yeah. he took over control in such a professional way that he was right. Like as if he was a doctor, but that was just because of all of his training. In and that's where he like separates experience. himself, right? Yeah, like, a, yeah. like, and that's where she eventually like really sees and respects him. Yes, that's finally the yeah. moment when she gets it. That's yeah. a great point as well. And yeah. and they even say because at this point she's cheated on him, he's left her, and it's it's at this moment where he sh- she says to him like, "Can we actually make this work?" Because you're right. Like she does finally understand him, and he says like. No, like, like, yeah, like she, it's like she never saw him in action, so she couldn't yeah. respect him and his job as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of ironic there a little bit because he tries to set keep them separate, right, for yeah, so long because yeah. he doesn't want to let somebody into the ugliness. Yeah, but if he did a little bit more, she would understand more. Yeah, and not just see the home version of him. I don't know where this fits in, but the <laughs> discussion um, with the guy that she cheated on him with, when yes. when he comes home and there's just a guy waking up on the couch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was That's his name? That's such a funny scene. Ralph. Ralph. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because yeah, it's uh, Ralph. Vincent. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the wife is like, "You're not even angry about this," because he came in like cool-headed about yeah. it. Yeah. And he's like, I'm angry. I'm very angry, Ralph. You know, you can lo- uh, you can ball my wife if she wants you to. You can lounge around here on her sofa in her ex-husband's dead tech postmodernistic bullshit house if you want to. But you do not get to watch my fucking television set. <laughs> yeah. And like slams it and pulls it out the cords. Out. Yeah. I love when he kicks it out of the car. Yes. <laughs> yes. I wanted like I wanted to just double check that. I didn't have time, but um yeah, he just kicks it out of his car because he's, like, sick of, like, it, he doesn't want to be reminded or whatever. Yeah. He kicks it out. And then the people on the street, I want to say that they didn't expect that. Because no. they're, like, they're like, what the fuck? And, like, you see them laughing and watching him drive away. Yeah. Like, it seems so real. I want to say that that was, like, maybe even improv? Probably not because they actually caught it on. But it could have been. No, I don't think it was improv. But the uh, great ass was improvised. Yes, it was. And and the <laughs> it scared the yeah, guy. Yeah, it scared the guy. Like he was like shocked, and yeah. you could see it in the movie. That was hilarious. Moving into score, I was going to talk about the uh, the gunshot in score a little bit there, but I think we've already talked about that enough. The music itself was composed by Elliot Goldenthal, produced by Matthias Goll. And they actually produced the movie Public Enemies as well for oh. Michael Mann. So they, they've collaborated since mm. then. They don't have a whole lot of other connections to other large films in particular. But it's really interesting the way that they went with this film. They, they used a lot of guitars in the score, uh, which they called the Guitar Orchestra, which is kind yeah, of neat. Yeah. And it felt orchestral a little bit at certain scenes. Yeah. For the, the movie itself, there was no central theme to the music. Like it's all just kind of doing its own thing, which is something that like you don't really see in movies often. Yeah. Um it, it's kind of it's kind of unique to this film. What I would say is that it felt like I didn't pay too much attention to it, but what I did see or hear was that like it felt like the music was in line with whatever the city was like. 
like when they were out at the airport, it was a little bit quieter just because like, mm-hmm. like besides, I guess the airplanes, it was quiet when they're yep. like sneaking around and trying to chase each other. But then like in the city, like at night, like we, we have some amazing shots of the daytime and nighttime in yes. LA There's- and the music went along with that. Yeah, the way that L.A. is portrayed, like, is almost a character in and of itself in the film. And I think you're right that the music does really make it sing, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And that's actually something that, when I get into Legacy, that I want to bring up in particular, because we'll get into it now. Chris Nolan, this is one of his all-time favorite movies, is Heat. And he said that the way that Michael Mann shot L.A., had a really big influence in how he filmed the Batman series and dark, the dark Knight in particular and making Gotham feel like a city that's yeah, alive and yeah. telling the story of a city. Yeah. So really, really that's great cool. connection. There yeah. Cause the dark Knight is top three favorite movies of all time for me. Hmm. So th- this movie has had an impact over the last 20 years, especially in other crime films. Like it, this is such an important movie for cinema that that would be another reason why I'd recommend it. The Grand Theft Auto series has its roots in this film, and in particular, the third and fourth games of the series borrow a lot of the ideas about the heist and Ah, and the characters from this. And I believe the character who plays Michael also plays one of the characters in the fourth game uh, as well. I think I also saw the Wangro voice someone in that. Yeah, he probably did. Other maybe... Less good legacy notes. There's been a lot of comparisons since this film came out, in particular probably in the the five, ten years after the film came out, to robberies that have happened since in other countries and even in L.A. Like, there was a bank robbery that had a very similar shootout where the police were waiting for them Mm. outside in L.A. There's a French gangster that told Michael Mann at a film festival that he was his technical advisor, basically, that he learnt how to become a criminal based on this movie shit yeah <laughs> so that means michael mann is the man <laughs> yeah. yeah like and again that probably comes down to like him just learning about all of this and having the right people consulting him on how to pull off these crimes and how how to get into <clears throat> the mind of a criminal because i think a lot of criminals will learn if they go to prison and and learn these people who have similar life experiences like they they pick up different tricks of the trade through there and there's this completely different knowledge base that you and i would never understand like i've learned so much watching thief and heat in the last month about the criminal underworld that i i really wouldn't have known beforehand yeah like the high level criminal underworld yeah where like like when you're watching this, like they're doing so much research and like they, they know how everything works. Like you have the Michael, I think climbing a pole outside to disable the security system. So they have like all of that equipment. And then Chris shoves, he hammers something into the door, the lock. Right. And then has like a wrench to pull it. So he's like breaking the cylinder in a certain way. Mm-hmm. So like, all those little details, like they know what they're doing and it's real. And and that's very similar to Thief and what we talked about in our last episode yeah. as well. Even like they were using like proper PPE when they were uh, like breaking the ceiling to get at another security thing. Right, for underneath the, the bank. Underneath yeah. the bank, yeah. Oh, 
Yeah, it's it's really intelligent film. I think that in the next 10 to 20 years that this film will eventually get added to American Film Institute has like a a whole category of films that are culturally or or significantly impactful on film and and like just the culture and, and life and i think this film will eventually make it into that list yeah probably so sequels prequels and reboots the original script for this was actually written in 1979 he uh he started writing this movie hmm. uh he actually in 1989 tried making to tv into a tv show which they didn't get past the pilot actually for it but instead, what TV producers decided to do was expand it into just a, a one-off TV film called L.A. Takedown. Hmm. It has pretty good reviews. Heat is like a basically a rework, a retelling of L.A. Takedown. Uh, so there's a lot of similarities between the two. From what I've read, uh, Heat is is the superb work of art. Like, it's just yeah. the perfection of that. So, like, you could probably watch L.A. Takedown just to kind of maybe compare and contrast, like, what Michael Mann learned from his iterations to yeah, get to the point yeah. of heat, but it's not he, necessarily. He probably had so much more time with the like criminals and police and everything, like all the research. So it makes sense. Exactly. So yeah, it's probably, it's maybe just a film to study. If you, if you're really becoming interested in Michael Mann's filmography, that it, it would be kind of maybe a neat something to go back and, and watch. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting enough. Sequel. There's a novel that's in the works currently oh. by Michael Mann. He said it's going to be a sequel slash prequel, hmm. and he's actually it's set to be released in August 2022. So in a few months from now, oh, um, that's we might pretty be cool. Getting, yeah, a continuation. Hmm. And he said basically like he wasn't sure if maybe it'll end up becoming a film or a TV series on its own. After uh, it, it's probably going to depend on the reception of yeah, the novel. Yeah. But exciting stuff for people who are fans of this world and these characters. Yeah, for sure. Personal reviews and the partner factor. Let's hear let's hear your first review. So so this is your first time viewing Heat, and mm. I'm sure Annabelle's first time viewing. So I'm really Actually I think she did watch it before, but she didn't remember anything. So. <laughs> nice. Or she lied to me about actually watching it before. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, Annabelle's a big fat liar. Yeah, so yeah. but she's got a great ass. <laughs> 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 it's a good thing she doesn't listen to these. <laughs> I'm gonna send her that clip yeah, in particular. Yeah. Um anyways, yeah, so I I loved everything. Like I what I really did love is the little bits of comedy sprinkled out, but also like the perfection of all the robbery scenes and the characters were well developed. Yeah. This is definitely Every new movie that I watch bumps other things down the list, and then the next movie bumps that one down the list. Of like, <laughs> but I want to say at least like top thirty, yep. top twenty. I don't know exactly where, but like it's definitely a top level movie. Yeah, um, it, like it's objectively a fantastic movie. Yeah, it, the way it was produced, like the research that went into everything, like not many movies can compare to a lot of that yeah it's like uh like the level of detail of the characters like the two characters they're at the top of their game that's like michael mann in writing this yeah <laughs> like he could he would be like the third guy in this little triangle <laughs> like yeah down. yeah he's just that good and like the the whole like seeing all those newer actors that are now huge like natalie portman and danny trejo and like yeah like all the other like it was just a phenomenal movie uh for the partner scale 
I would say I can't say that it would be in like her top movies or anything. This isn't her style of movie that she enjoys watching, but she was into this and she was asking questions and that's the clear tell for me that she enjoyed the movie very much. So I'd say like I would guess that she at least rates it like an 8 and I would that's say it's good. like a 10. Yeah. Because like yeah, she all those all the questions she was asking, she wanted to know what was going on. She wasn't losing track of things really. She just wanted to make sure like she's like this is that guy and like whatever. Yeah. But uh yeah, I think by the end of the movie she might have been able to tell the difference between Al Pacino and Robert <laughs> De Niro. So that's it's good. another positive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you had a really great point earlier that, that I wanted to bring up that something that really adds to the movie is the great comedy that's sprinkled throughout the film. One of the uh, genres that the movie itself kind of fits into is drama. And I find that the best dramas always have really great comedy sprinkled throughout them mm. because it, there's something about that comedic payoff that you get um, that's it really takes a while to get there. Like you're not, you almost burn yourself out laughing if you're watching a comedy sometimes. Whereas these little comedic moments, they're well-placed. Yes. They're extraordinarily well-placed. Like again, I'm going to bring up Mad Men that there's some really fantastic comedy throughout the the show. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's how we get to those points and, and it's, how sparsed out they are that really makes the comedy itself shine, but everything between also become more important as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it it feels more realistic too, because the way like criminals like, or cops, like they have to, like they see a lot of bad stuff. So they have to be funny sometimes. Like it adds that in. Yeah. Like, uh, and I, again, like our group of friends, like we, we joke around a lot. We have a lot of like, a lot of funny stuff that we talk about and that's just like how like i connect to these characters more when when there are funny lines that happen yeah yeah um, or somebody cracks a joke or something like that yeah. right but you don't have to be funny 100 percent of the time but you don't have to be serious 100 percent time like yeah uh, yeah i will 100 percent be more invested in a good drama that has those sparse moments of comedy than yeah. i am in a drama that is completely dry and yeah like, and at- like it's nice to not just have like a comedic relief, like one character yes. who's just like dumb and funny. Like it's, it's these real characters who are deep and dark and then serious and then hilarious suddenly. And mm-hmm. like it catches you off guard and that that's what makes it so much more funny. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree. Yeah. So for me, like, like I said before, I absolutely love this movie. Uh, I recently watched it for the first time as well. This was my second watch, but it goes in into my top 20. It's not my favorite Robert De Niro movie because Goodfellas is, is that for and me probably. Honestly, he was a little subdued in this. Yeah, uh, but it, like his performance is well done. Yeah, um, yeah. Al Pacino, this is up there. The, yeah. I like... I have to rewatch The Godfather. It's been a couple years since I watched The Godfather, but like his character is just so entertaining. Yeah. Throughout, and you really understand. Like I don't know, I understand where he's coming from, where he just wants to be the best, and he yeah. like and, and he's like, so committed. And when you are the best, you can't stop sometimes. Like you can't like because no one else is gonna do his job because yeah. he's the only one who could do it that way. Yeah. At that level. Yeah, so it makes sense why he's so driven. And yeah, 
the way that it was written, you feel that. Yeah. And and Jess as well said, like, that was a great movie. Like, uh, she was like, objectively, that was a great movie. Yeah, so yeah. I would have a hard time, un- unless you're somebody who uh, is completely against violence in film or, like, shining a light on criminal activities. Like, yeah. that would be the only person that I would say isn't going to enjoy this movie necessarily. Yeah, so, like, some kind of grandma or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> So let's let's talk about our, our favorite scenes and, and close off with that. And actually, probably connection here is the documentary of Val called Val, where it's a Val Kilmer's documentary on Prime. I haven't watched it, uh, but I'd be really interested in watching it at some point because Val Kilmer was growing up like I thought he was going to be one of the biggest actors in Hollywood, like because he was he was so involved in like the Batman series, yeah, um, and and other films that I enjoyed as a kid. But he, his career kind of dropped off a cliff in the early two thousands, and so the the documentary I think goes into details about kind of what happened with mm. his career, and I'm I'm sure he talks about this movie in that film as well. Well, not it, not he himself. He has lost his voice. Really? He had uh, throat cancer, I believe. Oh, wow. And so, because he was in Top Gun, Mm -hmm. so in the new Top Gun, they used AI to recreate his voice. Wow. But yeah, so he he lost his voice, and it's sad that he kind of lost his career, fell off a little bit in the 2000s, because he was so good. He was like a Brad Pitt of his generation, again, like everyone's the Brad Pitt of their generation. It's like, uh, yeah. what's the name? When we watch Butch Cass- Cassidy, Paul Newman, but the other guy. Robert Redford? Yeah, yeah. Another Paul, another Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah, well, like, I thought Val Kilmer was, like, Brad Pitt level. Yeah, yeah. Quality good, like, and, as an oh, actor. Yeah, he was so good in this. Mm-hmm. And so good in some of the other movies that I mentioned before. Yeah. Like, like he, he was an actor that growing up as a kid, like, I... I knew who he was. Yeah. Know what I really loved about that first scene with the truck heist? Mm-hmm. The spike strip. Like that yeah, just, that was cool. That just showed... They knew they had to be in and out in three minutes. Yes, and they, had, they had done their research on how long it takes the police to respond to certain yeah. uh, types of crimes. Yeah, and so they had someone listening on the scanner to see exactly the time that it was called in and was being responded to Mm -hmm. and so they started the timer then and at the end like they put across a spike strip because they knew at that three minute mark the cops would be there yeah so yeah that was just like a cool little scene detail yeah the things i've learned about the crime life in this movie are never do a new a job with a new guy. Yeah. Uh, Wayne Grove's bad idea, especially if he's a Nazi sailor, serial killer. Yes, yeah. And never do one last job. It's always the one last job yeah, that gets you. Yeah, yeah. Always plan at least a few jobs ahead. Yeah. So that you always know there's going to be one and leave before your yeah, last just, job. You know, have like a really great job and be like, you know what? I'm going to cut it out right here. Yeah, like, yeah. Like with Samuel Jackson in Pulp Fiction mm. where he has like – the, the Jesus moment where yeah. he, like uh, where the bullets like miss yeah. them yeah. Um, and he's like you know what I'm gonna walk away yeah yeah that, that's the right time <laughs> that's the right time yeah not you gotta... not doing one last job no, but no. And, and the fact that he almost got away he was from so... his last job yes and he oh uh, but he he there was he had two to finish ma- it he he 
but the problem is is that he he lost sight of his code and of his values yeah and he needed to commit his revenge on wayne girl which like normally he wouldn't have done that that's outside of the typical motifs of neil Mm -hmm. and he was trying to run away with Edie, yeah uh, which also caught him up but it was it because even at that point in time this is what i love about this movie is because him and vince are operating at such a high level like vince is like he's gone there's no way we're getting him because he's so good he's gone and he should have been gone yeah but he had to go back for wayne girl yeah and and Ah, that, yeah. John Vaught's character should not have told him that. But exactly. Oh, yeah. And that leads to one of the most bittersweet endings I think I've watched yes. in film. And yeah. and part of the reason why it's so bittersweet is because not one single person in this movie walks away happy. Not a single person walks away happy. Like nothing yeah. good happens. Yeah. Like Chris uh, comes back and his wife almost turned it on him, but she's yeah. uh, last caught. minute. She like yeah, signals she, out. Yeah. And then he's like, you could see he's like destroyed. Oh, as absolutely. he's trying to, cause he's leave. never going to see his wife and kid again. Yeah. Ever, ever, ever. Like they're going into witness protection. They're yeah. gone. Yeah. And same with like her and the kid are never going to see him again. Yeah. Neil is obviously shot and dead. Vince is ending another marriage. And the person that he felt most connected with this entire world, he had to kill. Yeah. Like, like literally not a single person walks out of this movie. Happy. Trying to think of like one person. There's there's no silver lining to any of this except for the fact that Vince kind of wins. Yeah, yeah. But like, and that's bittersweet to him. Like he, yeah. he's even like he's, he's holding... he has this respect at this yeah. point, and and they're so similar in so many yeah. ways. Right? He's like he holds his hand while he dies and yeah. just lo- looks off into the distance. What a sad and he's ending, like, man. Fuck. Yeah, like what? A, that's a powerful ending right yeah, there. Yeah. I think it's really hard to stick a sad ending. Like, and that's why a lot of films try to make endings happy because I think, I think a lot of films that have done that and haven't succeeded. The majority of people don't like it. Yeah. It it rubs people the wrong way and people walk away and forget about the movie. And the films like that, I think are more often forgotten, but this movie, everything leading up to that, like is, is just so well done. And, And the ending, the way it ends, like with them holding hands and, and like him kind of letting him die there is just so i don't know like it's it's poetic yeah yeah you know what the inspiration for uh for christopher nolan that's huge between uh these two characters because it's the batman and the joker oh absolutely it is. like they're they're playing the batman and the joker like yeah. you see the how relatable that is to that universe absolutely yeah and that's that's a really great point like because they they need each other. <laughs> like it makes it good. Like it makes it makes what they're doing worth it to have someone equal opposite them. Yes. Like and, and even Neil like would rather be shot than spending the rest of his life in prison. And yeah. like he's he says that I'm never going back. And to be honest, if I had spent a good chunk of my life in Alcatraz in solitary confinement like he had, yeah. I probably tend to agree with them yeah you didn't say your uh the your favorite quote about i haven't said the, it yet the reason why he's uh st- sticking with this last job yeah so like there's this the scene when they know that they're made that they know the cops are on them the heat is around the corner yeah. here it's yeah. like like they gotta decide are they gonna 
yeah. stick to their th- like yeah. their guns and 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 that's where Neil says to each person like you have to decide you have to decide it's not me on this one like you have to decide whether the the risk here is worth the reward mm-hmm. and so for Val Kilmer he's like absolutely because I need the money because we know he's a degenerate gambler yeah. for Neil we know he wants it because he this is his last job he's making the big bucks and then he's walking away and riding off into the sunset with Edie uh Michael we don't know his motivations at this point as much for yeah like we haven't heard them yet yeah yeah um and so like and and the the actor who plays him is like not as big as as Val Kilmer and this is like the one moment he gets to like yeah shine shine and basically like he just walks up and he kind of has a stupid grin on his face and he's like the action is the juice and like he's like I'm in yeah and you're just like like it's just like yeah 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 such a great moment yeah that's that's probably one of the best <laughs> quotes of yeah. the movie. Yeah, and actually, we know a little bit of his motivation because uh, Neil is like, like you got kids, you're set up, you have you have shit saved, you have like a dealership or something. I f- I forget exactly. Like he had businesses or whatever. Mm, okay. He had he had he, he was set up. He yep. didn't need this. Mm. And then he's like, well. Yeah, you know, for me, the action is the juice. And, like, yeah. it's, yeah, it's that, like, bro moment almost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Denny Trejo's like, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some really great quotes in this movie, and I'm sure that you're going to get into it a I little I brought bit. up some, but, yeah. Just the scene where they're talking, like, you could tell, it, sorry, the diner scene mm-hmm. where they go have coffee. Like that was just the conversation. Oh, so that wasn't um rehearsed previously. Yeah. So that was an un like they planned to not rehearse this so that they had that little bit of unfamiliarity with each other mm-hmm. where they're um like slightly awkward getting to know each other, holding some things back, whatever. Yeah. And then they just slowly like connect. And they they allowed them to kind of improvise a little bit there as yeah. well, so that it, again it felt like more organic. And it's kind of a big moment too, right? Because again, it's the first time that Pacino and De Niro are sharing a screen together. There's the respect in front of the camera, but there's the respect behind the camera too, and that's all kind of coming together right yes. there in that one yeah, scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and what a great scene that is! Like just to, it's so surreal seeing out in the wild like this police officer and career criminal having this discussion about their lives and how similar yeah they are really it's really again a a pretty poetic scene yeah and like they're just relating like telling stories kind of one of the it's a smaller detail but it's something that i caught on this watch that i don't think i caught on the first watch is when val kilmer's character chris goes to see his wife and he doesn't know that she's got the police on him. And she does, like... I mean, that's maybe one of the saddest scenes in the movie when she, like, does the, yeah. like, swipe of his hands and yeah. he realizes that everything's over and his yeah. life's, like, over. The little point that I didn't notice is he gets out of the car and he asks one of the guys, like, oh, where can I grab a bite around here? Rent a room or something. Yeah, Rent a place. like yeah, a yeah. kind of thing. Sorry. So the reason why he did that is because he knew that he wasn't going to get out of this area without a police officer stopping him mm. because regardless of whether she says that it's him or not the police are going to check him yeah so he, he, he had to have the a reason yeah, yeah yeah it, it was perfect like it was just yeah. it was just such a small detail that i like i 
that really floored me on this watch. Yeah. That they had even thought of like, okay, we've we've got him into this situation. How are we going to get the character of Chris out of this situation yeah, in a realistic he's, way? Yeah, because he stops his car at this place. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. He had to have a reason. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's such a, it's such a well thought out alibi. Like it seemed insane to me that the cops just let him go though. But he, like he had his credentials. He had a solid alibi. Like there was, and they, he changed his hair. So it yeah, might not exactly. have been him. She said it wasn't him. Exactly. So they were still waiting for him to show up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and they, and they really did believe that she was on their side yeah, at that point in yeah. time because they had her man. Like, yeah. like they use the kid as, as oh. a, as a weapon against her. Like yeah. that, that felt that was real brutal. Grimy. Yeah. 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 That's probably my the second saddest scene of the movie apart from and, the ending. Oh, uh, you know when Neil was actually going in to kill Wayne Grow? Yeah. That was a great scene too because you actually saw the fear in Wayne Grow's face yes. for the first time. It was like he had never he hadn't been in that situation since he got out of prison at least. Yeah. He had been constantly the most badass person in the room. Mm-hmm. Except, yeah, like, he was in complete control all the time until this time, and he wouldn't look at him, and, he's, and uh, right. Neil's just like, like, look at me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, and the scene where, right after, where he walks away from Edie because he sees Vince there, like, yeah. oh, my God, that, my heart ripped out of my chest yeah. there. And that moment, he's realized that he's made all of these mistakes, and yeah. that's the moment where he finally goes back to his code and he walks away. Yeah, I like. Yeah, holy! And so I had this discussion back and forth with Mike for a little while after this movie because Mike was like, "Well, I think he's kind of protecting Edie there," and I was like, "I don't think that at all. Like, I think he's just he's realized all of his mistakes have led to this very moment, and like he's trying to self preservation." Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's debatable because, like, I think he could have, I think he could have potentially gotten away in the car. No, there's way too many, too people many people and the fire trucks. Yeah, the f- and that is his, his fault. He pulled yep. the fire alarm. Yep. Well, but he knew that people were gonna be watching Wayne grow. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so he well, had to. I don't know if he did or not. I think he just needed a quick getaway because of the gun firing off maybe i don't, I don't yeah. remember i don't know if yeah like that yeah that is a little bit debatable like exactly what happened there he i don't think anyone told him that the cops are watching wayne grow yeah but, i think it was just like he needed a quick getaway and the chaos after yeah, having yeah. fired a gun inside of a hotel so there's two things with Edie and him that i think are potentially the only problems with the film how did she know that he was the shooter downtown at the bank like the bank heist scene when he showed up to Edie's house mm-hmm. she was like did you do that and he's like well I'm not a salesman how, how did she know uh, they, they didn't they, they didn't post sh- photos they, of him they might have at that point in time because they they showed the the guy who died yeah um, they showed the guy who died but we don't necessarily see on TV that like. But he's he's basically. Oh wait, no, he's not. Because he's been like he's been made already. Like the police know him. Yeah, they have pictures we, of him. The, I think they should have at least shown that she saw him on TV because she just knew out of nowhere. 
Yeah, I so mean, maybe we missed a scene. Maybe it was cut or edited out or slightly or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But we do see that like it's it's being televised everywhere because we yeah. see that. But uh, it could have been anybody, and she she could have been like, "Do you see this shit on TV? It's crazy." And he could have been like, "Yeah, I was at my sales job." <laughs> <laughs> like that's yeah, but I think she's starting to understand because he wants to like get away and like yeah, but I don't he could know. be just a salesman who was alone and saved. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we can answer yeah. that one. So that's my one one problem. The second would be after that, she agreed to still go with him. Oh, that was... I mean, like, he forced her, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. Like he, and she, she still, like... She was like, if I come with you, can I leave later? Yeah. And he's like... Uh, he didn't respond. I don't know. I don't know. She just kind of gives in to it. Yeah, because she also wants to get away. Yeah. It'd be pretty nice. <laughs> but, uh, and then, yeah, the the fact that he went back for Wayne Grow is just so disappointing. Yeah. It's, it doesn't ruin the movie or anything because it fits with his character. He wanted everything cleaned up. Well, he wanted, like, no loose ends, kind of. Yeah. And, and revenge. Yeah, like, Wayne Grow causes with Danny Trejo and his family is like so horribly yeah. brutal and the, like he was the one who essentially tipped them off to the police too right like they yeah. would have this probably this job probably would have gone off without a hitch if um, if they were if they successfully killed him earlier in the movie exactly yeah so that's one of those loose ends but also like those intertwining plot lines that kind yeah. of yeah. is it kind of circles back eventually and like yeah, he got emotional about all his crew being killed and everything, and it was Wayne Girl's fault. So yeah, it makes sense. It just sucks. He could have got away. Mm-hmm. I'm so invested in him getting away. That's yeah. what makes it so good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and you really don't know how it's gonna end. Yeah. Now knowing how everybody else's stories end, like there's no other way his could have ended. Like there's no way you get a happy ending out of no, this. No, yeah, it's better without the happy ending. Absolutely, it's better without the happy ending. It, it would have been too, like, Hollywood, like, Disney-esque yeah. kind of thing to yeah. have that happy ending. Yeah, I read a quote online that said, uh, Michael Mann makes action movies for adults. Yes. Because the majority of action movies out there, they're, like, kind of more for kids or teens. Mm-hmm. But, like, this is, like, a real, like, true action. Like, he could be in his own category of true action, not just, like, action movies. The back and forth that Vincent has with uh, Justine, his wife, there's there's a couple of moments of quotes that I really like. Like when he returns to the restaurant after he's left her there for hours and they kind of have that back and forth about like why she didn't leave and she's mad at him. And so Vincent says, I told you when we hooked up, baby, that you were going to have to share me with all the bad people and all the ugly events on this planet. Yeah. And she says, and I bought into that sharing because I love you. I love you. Fat, bald, money, no money, driving a bus. I don't care. But you have to get, be present like a normal guy some of the time. That's sharing. This isn't sharing. This is leftovers. Yeah. Like, like I was, was a... getting the little bits of you. And like, And then he takes a really dark turn and basically says, like, you know, like, these are the horrible things that I see. Like, do you really yeah. want to be let into that later when you like when we talked about how he she asked if if they can maybe still salvage their marriage out of this mm. after they've she's finally come to respect him he says like i i wish i could say yes you know but in the end it's like you said all i am is what i'm going after it's not what you want yeah the fact that her daughter chose him to be the one who found her that's yeah, important yeah, to her. yeah yeah 
Um, and like we can understand, like she she might be the one who understands Vince the most after Neil does, really. Like yeah, to be yeah. to be the one to be like like he's gonna find me here and he's just gonna understand and his brain's gonna shut off and he's gonna be in police officer mode. Yeah. And it saved her. So like Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. she didn't want she to be didn't, saved, but like she might have because she didn't it, no, it depends. She he she, wasn't he would like in a normal circumstance, he was he didn't wouldn't have given up. Like yeah, he, yeah, yeah. She, he wouldn't have gone to that back to his place like as yeah. early as he did. That and that's again that's a cause and effect thing there. But he finally he finally gives up and and walks away, and that's the one positive thing is I guess he saves his stepdaughter. Yeah, yeah. So when they're when they're at the and this again kind of goes back to the lifestyle that Vince has. And him and Neil are talking at the diner and Neil quotes the walking away in 30 seconds. Neil says to him, like, now, if you're on me and you got to move when I move, how do you expect to keep a marriage? Yeah. Yeah. Because I am I am in this life 100 percent of the time. So you have to be on me 100 percent of the time. Yeah. Oh, and the way that's something that I wrote uh, in my notes, the way they slipped the police at that moment. Um, while he's in the diner, yes, it's like they knew they planned it or something. I don't know exactly how that happened, but at 9 p.m. that night, like they ditched all of their surveillance stuff, mm-hmm. so they found it all. They they knew they were so proficient at their jobs that they knew exactly how they would be listening, and they ditched it all at the same time while he was in that diner. And then as he was in that diner, he f- he drove to. By the airport where the um, surveillance couldn't follow him, and right. then they lost him again. Yeah. So like that, that was just so high level, like badass. These guys know what they're doing. Yeah, uh, and like we see that throughout the movie, like how professional yeah. they are. Yeah, just like them slipping them all at that time, and the way like Pacino was like, "How did they get away? Like they could, they're gone." Yeah. How did they find them again after that? Oh, they, they it's found... It's because they Treo. Yeah, and, they found Treo. Yeah. It wasn't the police who found him. It was the businessmen yeah, um, and yeah. Wayne Grow who got yeah. to him. Oh, yeah, it was pretty horrific. Yeah, Treo's... Yeah, the way the um, Wayne Grow was killing people was just crazy. Just be- bashing their head in. Yeah, he, like... That guy was something else, like... He's a monster, yeah. Yeah, pure, pure monster. No redeeming quality to him. Whereas, like, both Neil and Vince are in this gray area often. Yeah. There's so many great, like, I'm, I'm just looking at some of the quotes of this movie. And a, a lot of the quotes really do come from the diner scene. Because yeah. it's such an important scene. Yeah. Again, this is another big diner movie scene. Yeah, yeah. We, we've got, we're like three or four deep on this podcast alone. Just diner scenes that are phenomenal. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> diners are like a favorite thing for America, I feel like. I wish we had more diners in Canada. <laughs> yeah, we need more diners and more diner scenes yeah. in um, our lives. Oh, the guy in the wheelchair who set them up for the bank job... That guy I recognized as an actor. Uh, he was in Hell on Wheels. Oh yeah, and which was a great show. Um, that guy's like a good. He pops in and out of like a lot of big movies. Actually, like he's he's around. I don't know. I just wrote that down that I noticed him. Danny, Danny Trejo looks so young there too. Eh? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, this is twenty almost thirty years ago now. So yeah, yeah. Comparisons to Thief. Which movie do you like better? this one yeah um but 
this is more essential viewing in my opinion. Yeah, like, yeah, the, for sure. The thief is for the people who love crime films. Yeah. And Heat is for anyone who wants to watch a good movie. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's and you you get a lot of what you get from Thief in Heat. Yeah, it's just expanded upon. Yeah. The yeah, like these guys could have pulled off the heist that Thief had. They were that meticulous as well. A lot of the same concepts in both, really. Like, he's basically ready to drop his family within 30 seconds. seconds within thief. 30 minutes. Yeah. 30 minutes. 30 Give days. Me. You have yeah. 30 days. <laughs> I, was a, I was a little sad when the driver uh, died. The guy from... Yeah, the, man, he didn't deserve that. Yeah, he just got out. Like, he's got a... a waifu or a girl who stayed with him throughout his time in jail and yeah. is proud of him and he's like like that and he's huge, trying to do better yeah. but like the system's just like continuously yeah. like and this just falls in his lap he's gonna make a ton of money doing something dangerous once like yeah let's do it yeah but and, uh, but the way he was like he's like what do you have to be proud of me for like the way he was like crying to his wife that yeah like it was so simple how deeply reconnected to him and then he's just fucking dead yeah oh yeah like that's how you yeah like that was good yeah like we cared about him yeah you did you cared about you cared about most of the characters in the film oh i loved how uh neil just got rid of van zant so quickly john voight told him where to go to oh yes he he found his house because he thinks that um uh neil's done so he finally goes back to his house after staying at his office for so long. And uh, then he just throws a chair through the window. And uh, I forget what he says to him, but he just fucking finishes him yeah. and he's gone. I So this is a quote that we haven't brought up yet. Is when, when Macaulay calls him after he realized that Van Zandt's yes. trying to kill him. And he's like, what are you? And so Van Zandt's like, what are you doing? And Neil's like, what am I doing? I'm talking to an empty telephone. And he Van Zandt's like, I don't understand. And he's like, because there's a dead man on the other end of this line. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it was yeah. such a great that, line. Like That was his best line in the film, probably. Yeah, I agree. Like, that yeah. was, like, oh. Because that was such a cool, like, like we, we've even skipped over that. Because it's such a small scene. But yeah. it's such a cool scene when they meet in the, like, the empty lot of the yes. old, like, drive-in. Yeah. Um, and, and this is another crime thing. The thing that I've learned is never show up alone because the other guy's not showing up alone. No, he's got backup hiding somewhere else. Yeah, uh, and they both like, they both had someone extra there with them. Yeah, and oh man, the way they had that place staked out. Yes, like another another like showcase of how how professional this yeah, crew is. Yeah. Right. Oh, <laughs> Anvil had so much anxiety at the end because he was gonna miss his flight. <laughs> <laughs> Because we were leaving on vacation. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and, like, like, that's her, like, worst nightmare is missing a flight. So, that's like, so that, she, she didn't care that he died. He's, like, she's, he's going to miss his flight. <laughs> Do you think Edie left? Did she go on to take the flight? I don't think she knew anything. She didn't know enough. Man, poor Edie. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, her, her life is she just packed up. after this. Yeah. yeah. But it's not like she had that much going for her. She had a... a a job at a place <laughs> like it wasn't she she didn't like that job yeah she, she was just starting in her own like side business she could call those people up and be like hey uh can i do graphic graphic design work for you some more and they'd be like yeah sure 
Like nothing changed for her. She yeah. she lost uh, uh, she a did... chance at a good life now. Yeah, but she didn't lose that much. But the person that she loved and then hated and then reloved again dies like ten minutes after she he, she yeah, he's abandons her. She he she only knew him for like a month. She, she'll forget about him in like a year. And uh, be like, I don't know. I don't uh, know. That's like, a pretty that's a pretty big important moment. Yeah, yeah. She was a nice girl though. She didn't deserve that. Yeah, she didn't deserve that. Actually, funny enough, I was reading this that the actor who portrayed her didn't want to be in the movie at first because she thought it was too violent and there was like too much death and and destruction in the movie Hmm. and so she wasn't a fan of being involved in something like that and michael mann was like you are the exact correct person to play yes yes, channel that (laughs) yeah yeah i think that's it though i like this movie is is great like we've there's so many great moments it's it's almost hard to talk about all of the great moments because the entire movie is is just a ride from start to finish yeah yeah so I think we leave it up to the viewer to go and enjoy and experience something that's truly an an important piece of cinema. Yeah, is it a masterpiece? Yes, absolutely. For, it's yeah, a masterpiece. yeah, yeah. Like if anyone's gonna induct like a masterpiece from Michael Mann, this is it probably as far oh, as yeah. we've seen and from all all I know about him now. Like there. I don't know. This is, this is a movie that should be on your list of movies to watch before you die. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, we should make that list at some point. Yeah, we should. We, we kind of are. Yeah. Slowly. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so this will be out early June. Um, So June is going to be your month of movies, which we're probably only going to have time for one more now since we could, we're a little bit late on our vacation time here. So what are you thinking? I was trying to think of something that really fit with like movies I've watched before, but at the same time, I think my favorite thing is to watch something that I have no idea what it is, but I know that it's highly respected mm-hmm. and something that's a little out there. So I wanted to go with uh, Hari Hari Kari, Harakiri, Harakiri, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's also known as uh, Seppuku. Yeah, Seppuku. Yeah, I th- that's cool. I so think- it's a foreign film. We haven't done a foreign film yet. We haven't yet. done a true foreign film. No. Because technically speaking, yeah. A Fish Cult Named Wanda is yeah, a British true. film. But that's not foreign enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, to be a foreign film, it's not listed No, there. it's not. Like, I, I would... This is a, our true foreign film. Yeah. Because... And you and I have talked about this back and forth a number of times that I think that there's a big resurgence in, in foreign cinema and foreign TV. And that's yeah. a, a lot in thanks to streaming. <clears throat> For sure. Um, like... Dark? Yeah, well, it's. Um, I think it started with uh, Narcos. Yeah, and and especially with Narcos being in both English and Spanish at yeah. the same time, like that's that's a good end to a foreign uh, language. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, we had Dark after that, which is fantastic. A Squid Game of most yes. recent. Yeah. So I, even I, like, well, some those are a lot of shows. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but like with movies, Parasite, Parasite, yeah. was huge. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that there's some really great stuff out there from the past. Yeah. That as and Western audiences, like we just never been exposed to. Half the time, we only see the Americanized version, like Old Boy. Yes. Old yes. Boy was phenomenal in both versions. Uh huh. But 
the second one didn't have to be made. Of course, we got to see uh, Josh Brolin and uh, Elizabeth Olsen, which was great. But mm-hmm. the original was p- better in, yeah. in most ways. And the Raid Redemption is like one of my favorite action movies of all time. Yeah. It's like a it's a Korean film. Train to Busan is like an insane zombie movie. Like, oh yeah, you one told of... me to watch that. Yeah. I haven't. Oh, yet. it's so good. So. Um, like this is all the new stuff that kind of trickles down to us, but there's there's a I think there's a lot of films out there that have been lost over yeah. the years that as Western audiences we haven't appreciated. So I'm I'm really excited to yeah. watch this one. Yeah, like I haven't watched a good samurai type movie or um, I don't think I ever like have that. either. Uh, I like well I I watched um, Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon mm-hmm. as a kid and like I shouldn't have watched that when I watched it. <laughs> And, like, there's this scene that just, like, stuck in my head and I had nightmares of where this, like, they had, like, a half-moon blade um, that they would throw, like, a some kind of sword, mm-hmm. and it, like, sliced into someone's brain, what? like, right above here. And that scene, like, I couldn't watch the rest because I was wow. too young. Like, I, I was, like, freaked out. Anyways, so I'm looking forward to watching something. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this again. a lot. Um, at some point, I really like to would like to check out Jackie Chan's filmography. Um, oh, because find I something don't... that we haven't seen. Yeah, like uh, like think about how famous his, his yeah like, like his original things. Yeah, like, um, exactly. Uh, what is it? There's like a drunken something, isn't there? I don't know. I I don't know Jackie Chan's filmography at all. It's been a bit. Anyways, yeah. Looking forward to a good. Uh, Japanese film mm-hmm. and and one that's so important to the Japanese culture yeah yeah so. like it's on like the top list of uh samurai movies yeah yeah and I'm I'm really looking for, forward yeah. to it yeah All so right. let let's let's end her there it's been that was a great discussion this yeah. is a, such a good movie As to usual, talk about yeah. and have a good one we'll see you in a few weeks all right let's do it